Welcome, historians. Host Austin he they she and host Brenda she her have been waiting for you. Come along for secret histories of nerd mysteries. Welcome to episode 79 of Secret Histories of Nerd Mysteries. My name is Brenda. I am joined here today with... (laughs) Is this our NPR opening? (laughs) No, I'm not close enough to the mic for that. And welcome to episode 79 of (laughs) Secret Histories of Nerd Mysteries. This is the ASMR opening. Sec, you can't really get the full effect, but I'm scratching my nails on my sound card. Anyway, <laughs> uh, you go, we go guest on one podcast, and then <laughs> we suddenly are like, Oh, they have notes and a method. Yeah, we totally oh, yeah. do that. Every time I'm on like another podcast, and they're like, Okay, we do it like this, and we have all of these notes, and we have a spreadsheet, and I'm like, I roll up to here at the last possible second every week and we sometimes figure out what the news is and sometimes we just do it live on the air yeah yeah we were on the um i read comic books podcast last week Mm -hmm. uh so definitely if you're a fan of us go check out that episode and also check out the entirety of that podcast because it's really good um yeah great they have like a discord and stuff we we man we really give you guys uh, (laughs) a twitter (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they do it live, so we were, like, talking to people in the Discord while going, and I was like, this is really cool, but I know I can't manage a Discord. Zero. I have zero. Zero. Zero in Discord. I have zero rating. Dis- As we've said before, if you have Discord rating and you want to run one, we will totally send you the graphic. <laughs> yeah. We can't pay you yet. No. But if the- we build this up more, we would. <laughs> But if you want to volunteer to help us run a Discord, I mean, wouldn't be opposed. I, by which I mean do it. I can't stress how little <laughs> energy I have to run a Discord. I'll show up and I'll post pictures of my cat yeah. and what I'm reading. So I will send <laughs> a selfie the day of recording. Yeah, I won't because I um, always just look like a mess. When you, I hold up. Everyone pause. Everyone shut up. Every Hey, you. In your car. Park. Brenda? <laughs> You are one of the like, most beautiful people in this existence <laughs> or any other. I don't. Hey, you you always look like an angel sent down to grace us just so we can know what perfection looks like. Just for us. Aww. You flatter me too much. I am wearing leggings covered in Labrador hair because mm-hmm. it's summertime and mm-hmm. my Labrador um, sheds like nobody's business Bye. and i have this old hot topic button-up shirt that i've worn so many times that it's like supposed to be black but now it's gray mm-hmm. and <laughs> my house glasses and i have not brushed my hair <laughs> you act like that that isn't the hottest gayest look of the season <laughs> it is definitely a very homosexual vibe <laughs> 
<laughs> I won't be mistaken for a heterosexual today, says Brenda. <laughs> Never. I have so many button-ups now. <laughs> Everyone's talking about Target's like pride collection, which is mm-hmm. really cool this year. But Target also has a bunch of very gay button-ups this year. Like, yeah, they do. I saw yeah, it's they're so pretty interesting because their pride collection is a lot more eclectic. It's not just like a shirt that's like I'm gay. They have just like I have a sh- I got a shirt from them that's like the bowling alley carpet print, and I was like, this is a gay print. You're right. <laughs> yeah, like I saw that one. I was like, that one's really good. Uh, there's the one that's just like crying over like a woman comic in the comic book panel, like crying over women, and it's like I have that one. This- I'm wearing. That one right it's now. so good. <laughs> It's I very good. It's yes. very in stock. Yeah. Uh, the extended size is super sold out. I have an, I have like a normal 2X on. Um, it's weird. Target recently introduced extended sizes for pretty much everything-ish. The, all the Pride Collection stuff has it. But when you go to like their normal stuff, like the section that is quote unquote men's doesn't do extended, but um. the section that is women's does extended. Um, which I always find f- it's a huge problem. Uh, extend yeah. well, it, extend both sections of your store. Um, yeah. But when they did that, Target made all their clothes two inches smaller. Uh, excuse me? <laughs> so I used to wear a normal size at Target, but now t- since they did that, like my size is now technically an extended size because the size that was my size was made like all around like two to three inches smaller. And I got these yeah. long ass le- arms and legs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's wild. I... I was, I, cause I like, I bought a shirt at Target, just like, yeah, t- you know, I shop at Target all the time and I put it on. And I was like, why does this shirt feel smaller than literally all of my other Target shirts that are the exact same size? And it just like, maybe I haven't like worn it in, you know? Um, and it's, it's been like three months or whatever. And I'm like, it still feels smaller, which doesn't make sense. And I like put it up to a different Target shirt from like two months prior. And I'm like, they're different, but it's, li-. I'm like, it's the Target brand. They're the same size. I don't understand. So I went to their size chart. They changed all the sizes. They're all like... That is so weird. <laughs> I don't understand why they... Why? I'm like, why would you do that as you introduce extended sizes? Like, it feels like they're worried that people who are at the cap won't... Like, I'm like, are you trying to make sure you sell enough extended... Like, what's the goal here? Yeah, it's like, are you actually introducing extended sizes? Or did you just make everything smaller to make it seem like you're introducing right. extended that's, sizes? That's what it felt like. <laughs> It's like it feels like like extended sizes, by which we mean we'll start the extra small at the size for like a ten year old, and as we scale up, it'll be the same. Wild. Yeah, absolutely, buck wild. That's <laughs> every not every step forward. Yeah, every step forward, Target makes they take a couple steps back, and it's like you're trying. I appreciate it, Target. I appreciate how you're trying. Keep keep trying. Don't keep. <laughs> you're not you there just yet. Keep on keeping on. Uh, speaking of trying. I think, uh, in the news. <laughs> so, um, this happened a while ago. I realized we didn't really talk about it in the show. It, I always feel weird bringing up tabletop stuff because I do too much tabletop stuff outside of this. I don't want to make this an extension of that because this is decidedly different. But, mm-hmm. um, Wizards of the Coast, as of, I think by the time you hear this recording, we'll have finished the purchase of D&D Beyond. Um, for those who don't know, D&D Beyond is a digital tool set for, like, managing your D&D character and your campaigns and fights and, like, all... It's, like, a digital tool set for, like, managing your Dungeons & Dragons game. Um, Think, like, Roll20, except there's no, like, there's no tabletop in D&D Beyond. It's just, like, all, all your notes, all that stuff. Like, everything you keep in, like, a binder for, like, playing, it's all of that. Yeah. Um, 
Wizard of Coast is bought. They've they've already purchased them. It just completes on the 18th. That's when ownership will transfer. P's and Q's are already dotted. I don't know. Blood packs have been signed. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, they have pledged fealty to Hasbro. It's all set and done. Um, There's a ritual. <laughs> it's a whole Barbie's there. Satan it's a was whole there. Thing. <laughs> yeah, Barbie, Satan are holding hands. They're in a loving relationship. I'm very happy for them. Yeah. But I really wish I had been invited to the wedding. All right, it's, please continue, Austin. It's, I mean, it's really okay. I wasn't invited either. Um, I'm happy for her. You, Ken, you know, Ken was there. You, they, they had an amicable yeah, breakup. Really He's happy. They, they're all they're all doing great. I'm really glad they've gotten to a point in their relationship where they can just be chill with each other. That's yeah. really cool. It's good they don't have the pressure. You know, society really pressured that they had to be together because they're in all these movies together. And then I'm just glad they're happy now. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, you know, I'm glad that Ken's being more open about his sexuality, you know, mm-hmm. like. <laughs> it's really good. It's it's great. I hear they're, they're co-parenting great. Um, It's really all, all around. Uh <laughs> What is interesting about this, so there's been a long-going ordeal. It's about to be, uh, I know some journalists working on, like, a bigger report than I have the resources to do, that there's a hedge fund inside of Hasbro, so I'm not going to break down, Hasbro's a public company, I'm not going to break down hedge funds and public companies. They're essentially a group inside the group that wants to do takeovers. Uh, Mm -hmm. They want to take parts, assets of the company to, like, do their own thing. Um, Yeah. That has been working, possibly. Some people believe towards taking Wizards of the Coast out of Hasbro. Interesting. Um, I know there's some talk of like they think it's it's being mismanaged. There's some talk of like they're not using its full potential, which is talk that like in the tabletop and Magic the Gathering because Wizards owns both like communities. Uh, that that is it does feel like they don't get all of the other goodies that some of other Hasbro stuff gets. But you gotta think like it it would make sense. So you look at Hasbro, the biggest toy yeah. company in the world. Yeah. Take any anything besides the things I'm talking. Hot Wheels. I, I'm not going to look it up. I'm sure Hot Wheels makes some mil- hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars a year. Isn't ha- Hot Wheels Mattel? <laughs> <laughs> you see, you don't get that when you do scripts. <laughs> this is why I don't do notes, so Brenda can school me on air. I don't know, Brenda. Is it Mattel? <laughs> I'm double checking. It is. <laughs> me all right we already did a barbie bit what's another popular toy hot wheels it's probably hasbro right brenda what the fuck are you talking about austin we're professionals <laughs> hasbro has play-doh and Take transformers Play-Doh. i'm sure <laughs> <laughs> my point is like hasbro's of like more household names like dungeons and dragons it's getting there I, you can still say to some people and they're like what the fuck are you talking about you mm-hmm. say Play-Doh, I, you could be talking to someone with a different language, but Play-Doh is Play-Doh, right? You, and, like, they might yeah. say it in their, like, uh, like, with their accents, right? Like, they don't say it the way I would say it, but, like, I could show, like, I would get the just across, like, what a Play-Doh is, or, like, a Barbie doll. Like, people know that. Yeah. Any, almost anywhere you go. I'm sure there's some people who don't, but, like, almost anywhere you go. Um, so it wouldn't be shocking to me if, like, getting assets like Dungeons and Dragons isn't big on their list. Um, but with this group potentially trying to like make a hostile move for Wizards of the Coast somehow, or trying to convince Wizards of the Coast to like get bought out or whatever, um, mm-hmm. it's very interesting that now D&D Beyond gets picked up because one of the things is Wizards of the Coast did not have their own digital tool set. D&D Beyond was a third party tool set. Yeah. 
So by picking them up, it shows that they are investing in this intellectual property. Um, and it's also like chump change. D&D Beyond is a great website. It's a pretty small team. I think their team is under like 30 people uh, to That's run. Small. It's a small team. That's um, so small. And I could be wrong, but I it's not in the hundreds. I can say that. Yeah. Uh, and so it's a small team with huge ambitions. I mean, they, it's an amazing website. Uh, it's changed the way I play Dungeons and Dragons. It's changed the way a lot of, it's made it more accessible for people, so on and so forth. Uh, and I can't imagine it being difficult for like Hasbro to give Wizards of the Coast a check to go buy this website, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, frankly, if Hasbro walked up and wanted to buy my house to turn it into a Barbie house, I doubt I could turn down whatever check they give me. Exactly. Uh, so it's very interesting. We'll see what it looks like when the keys get handed over fully. I'm a little worried because every time I get on the website, there's a pop-up that's like, remember on May 18th, this happens. And I'm like, yeah, I know. Why do you keep telling me? Yeah, it's like, what does this mean in like the, <laughs> the long term? Like, what are you changing? Like, why, like- do you, why, why do you, it's, it's weird, right? It's like when someone's like, uh, yeah, anyway, don't freak out when you go in the house. You're like, whoa, 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 wait, wait, why would I freak out? And they're like, no, just don't. And you're like, but why do you say it like that? (laughs) Yeah. And I think, like, selling to Hasbro was, like, the only thing they could do. Because if they didn't agree to that deal, Hasbro's just going to turn around and make their own. Exactly. And I mean, and they don't own any of the D&D stuff. Like, they get, they have built a healthy partnership where Mm -hmm. they're to the point where, like, Wizards of the Coast would send them all of the tool sets for, like, a new book coming out so they could put it into their website in the back end, so when there was the book was out, they could just open it to people instead of having to wait for the yeah. book to be out and like going through rigmarole. Yeah. So this is just like the next logical step. Next on the docket, um, Gotham Knights. Oh boy. <laughs> the the video game we talked about Gotham Knights. Like what was it two years ago? I think last year. Last year it had to be I last like- year. I feel like they announced this game so long ago because I completely forgot about it because we were like stoked. We were like, yeah, all the like Bruce is not here. It's all a bat family. Like, yeah, DC fandom, August 2020. You're right. Uh huh. Yeah, two years ago. It was was supposed to be released last year. Oops. Uh oh, that didn't happen. You know, (laughs) (laughs) I didn't realize Uh that. Yeah, it was. Missed it was definitely that deadline. Like, it's definitely like exciting, and then we both immediately like. I that's what I do for all video games because they're like yeah. this game's being made, and I'm like, oh cool, and then my brain's like, is it? And then deletes it immediately. Yeah, it's like when Pokemon like Arceus was coming out, I was like, oh, that's out tomorrow. Oh, <laughs> like, <laughs> but anyway, so this game was released like a long, 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 long time ago. We were really stoked and excited for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think at that point we didn't know. Was the PS5 out at that point um, when that was announced? It was either out or about to come out because we both were like, we'll get it on old. Like, I didn't have my new Xbox yet, which I now have, but like, or the PS5. But because you were like, well, if they put it, if they release a cool PS5, I'll get it on that because that's how you got your PS4. Yeah. Ex- okay. Yeah, exactly. I was like, if they release like a special Gotham Knights PS5, I'll try to get it. But now today in 2022, you can't get a PS5. There's no, no like special edition PS5s. You can get like different plates to put on them because those stupid little side fins come off. I hate the way the PS5 looks so much. <laughs> it, I have um, one that's not pretty. <laughs> it's a terrible, like you look at like my PS4, which has this cool like Batman. It's silver. It's great. It's mm-hmm. a great like timeless design you look at the ps5 and it's like what is this where do i put this how do i store this 
Like, it it's, has no shape to it. At least it isn't uh, the Xbox Series X or whatever my thing is called. Because we've all agreed what shape <laughs> consoles are. We all have TV centers that fit a certain shape. And they're like, hey, mm-hmm. fuck that. <laughs> put this put this next to your TV or on the ground. You pick. Yeah, it's like, this is a giant pillar of a game yeah. system. But please continue. A big old, yeah, big old cube. Yeah, so... Recently, the news came out that Gotham Knights was no longer going to have a PS4 or an Xbox One version, which is absolutely wild because you still can't get a PS5. And I think it's easier to get an Xbox, correct? Uh, not necessarily. It's like when the drop happens, it isn't like the site crashes, but they're still not readily available. It is. I think Mm. it's more of like less people are trying to get trying to get one. Xbox isn't doing so hot. Everyone no. wants a PS5, and PS5s aren't easily acquirable because nope. of um, the chip shortage, because of NFTs. It's funny uh, because they're so unavailable that Sony can't hit their own product numbers. Yeah, they can't. They just physically can't make <laughs> enough. So making a game be like an exclusive to like this newer generation of consoles, like mm-hmm. no one else, I think, has really done this. I feel like even like, um, what is it, Forbidden... Is it Forbidden West? Yes. Yeah. I feel like that even had like a PS4 version, didn't I, it? It did. It did. Because I believe, because yeah. there are some people still like, they don't know if they want to get it on PS4 or wait to get it on PS5 because of the optimization. Um, mm-hmm. But it's very weird because like, like you said, this game was supposed to come out a year ago. Uh, yeah. So like either A, they super didn't have anything going for this game or B, question marks for why they canceled the last gen yeah it's it just feels like it's too soon to like completely get rid of like the previous generation i know there has to be a point where that shift happens but usually that shift is dictated by the um creators of the game console itself so like big pillar video games are usually just like this one is just for the ps5 yeah like, like sony interactive versus a game and yeah. they're like just ps5 or xbox is like New Halo, just Xbox Series X, or yep. Nintendo. You, Nintendo takes forever to switch, but they'll be like New Zelda only on Switch four four eight. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So it just feels very weird. And also, Jason Todd is just, just ugly, like, <laughs> ugly, <laughs> ugly as sin. Just it doesn't look like his comic book co- counterpart. I don't think like these people understand why people like the Bat Family, and it's because they're <laughs> they're hot. They're disgusting. He's a child. They're... Yeah. <laughs> this does not count Damien. He's 13. No. Get him out of here. Everyone else, Jason. People like Damien because he's a bastard. He <laughs> is. He's, he's a little, little shit. And I he's just, just love seeing. a little monster of a boy. He is. He's awful. I, I fucking love him. He's like a terror. A little I feel feral like that's child. what they had to do, Tim Drake Robin. Because, like, well, if you do Damien, like, the fun. Okay, so I watched the gameplay trailer and they, they specifically mm-hmm. say. Red Hood's gun, which shoots non-lethal rounds, and I'm like, you can't, you can't be like, we'll get the one with a gun and be like, don't worry though, he doesn't kill people. That's the whole problem. That's the whole issue Batman has with him is that he will kill people. (laughs) They have to like, I mean, I don't know if there's like a plot reason for it. It feels like a weird thing to highlight in like a game reel to be like, these are non-lethal bullets. Yeah, it was definitely somebody at the studio was like, uh, or one of their investors, because it's. It's Warner Brothers Entertainment, like yeah. Warner Brothers, the Warner Brothers games, just come up with Discovery. Somebody told, like, came was like, "Hey, this guy's gun can't kill people." 
If it's like a story beat where like Jason, like because in the story Bruce dies, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Like yes. the, the start is like he's dead. Yeah, it's so if like it was he's like, dead and Gordon's dead. Yeah, if it was like a story beat where like Jason was like, you know, maybe you were right, which I don't feel like was a conclusion he would come to. I think he would be he like would be, even more like, like you, you would be if you shot yeah, him. You were wrong. <laughs> exactly. It's it's just all very weird. <laughs> I yeah, I super don't get it. Uh, the gameplay looks interesting. But it's a really weird choice to to do this. Um, we'll see what happens. Uh, I it, yeah, I'm, it took a lot of wind out of my sails because I was mostly excited to play this game, yeah. and now it's not gonna happen anytime now soon. Now I'm like very like not kind of stoked. I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't get it. I'm just gonna play Pokemon Violet and Scarlet. You know, like yeah, I guess that that's just what I do now. You know. Can't play Overwatch anymore, so. <laughs> you know what we could play? What could we play? Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl. <laughs> oh! Uh, last bit of news. Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl is getting some new characters throughout this year. Um, it's unclear this will be the only characters, because they're all spaced out pretty far. But they yeah, are they adding are. XG9, or as some people know know her, Jenny from My Life as a Teenage Robot. Rocco from Mako's Modern Life. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. guess. Uh, <laughs> and Hugh Neutron. <laughs> so the funny thing about Hugh being in this is that as of now, Jimmy Neutron, you know, the main character of The Adventures of Jimmy Neutron, <laughs> boy genius, is not in this no, game. And no no sight or tale of him being added to the game because he's like, yeah. Jenny and Hugh come sometime this summer and Rocco is, some, is later this fall. Which is absolutely baffling because like, like Timmy's in the game, Garfield's in the game, SpongeBob's in the game, Danny Phantom I think is in the game. Yep, Reptar's in the game. Patrick Reptar- is Reptar. in the guy game. Patrick. Uh, some of the Ninja Turtles. Mm-hmm. Uh, the some of the monsters from Our Monsters. Uh, That's a wild one. Like a lot of people are. It, it's like decidedly not Jimmy, and I don't know. What that's. Yeah. I don't know if they couldn't think that's of a move set for Jimmy. It'd be so easy. Just like has he's got weapons. He builds weapons. He That's builds like, so many different weapons. You're right. I know. It would be like you know he can like have Goddard go like attack people. Like it's you're right. It it's very baffling because like you know in that golden age of like Nick, well the second wave gold second golden age of Nicktoons, mm-hmm. it was like Timmy, SpongeBob, Jimmy. It, yeah. Jimmy was a big 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 deal. Right. Um. So it's very weird. And for. And I, I get that Hugh's a meme. Like, people think he's funny. Yeah. And he is. But That's definitely what they're going for. Like, it's, it's definitely know. becoming slowly, like, we'll put all the meme characters in the, in the meme game, and the meme kids will play the meme game. Because, uh, like, Nigel Thornberry's in it. None of the other Thornberry's yeah. are in it. Uh- <laughs> Just Nigel. And... Which I guess is it, it seems to be working because we're all talking about it. Yeah. So like I can't say that they're wrong. Every it's you weird. Know, like, like every time it comes up, I'm like I should buy that game, and then I, f- I forget about it. It's it's definitely yeah. becoming one of those like they're just put like, we put all the meme characters in the meme game, and all the kids will play the meme game. It's like I don't think it's don't you want to be Garfield in a fighting game, just beating the crap out of like Aang from Avatar? Exactly. It's like <laughs> wouldn't you love to be Hugh Neutron, just like body slamming Korra? Doesn't that sound like a just absolutely <laughs> wild time? And it does. I want to see it. <laughs> like, 
he releases in July, and then I think Rocco comes out in September. And there really are some ride or die people who love Rocco. So happy for you. Yeah, just love that for you. I it's, yeah, love that for there, you. I, I don't guess. get it. Yeah, I don't get it. I don't know what moveset he would have. He's a wallaby. <laughs> <laughs> he has existential dread. He, that's his whole thing. Is like he's just having an anxiety crisis every day of his life which is my own actual life so no thank you <laughs> Brenda what do you think we're talking about today I have no clue what did you send me you sent me wait let me look this up you okay. sent me an image I did and I gotta remember what it was and I was I very excited that I found something to send you that gave that was just because Brenda I have to explain to you all when it's Brenda's turn Brenda sends me the absolute most unhinged weirdish <laughs> it'll be like a picture of a kid with their arm in a fucking like cheese stick and I'm like what what is this <laughs> and they're all like right. don't worry about it <laughs> You sent me the logo of the Indy 500 and said, can't wait to tell you about Cars tomorrow. Yes. And, I mean, it can't be the Cars franchise. You don't, <laughs> you don't want to get me started about the Cars franchise. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like... Life is a highway. I'm Anyway, it's the early 1900s. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, and there are these things called, um, like, there, there's there's machines, and you can put pennies in them, and they do stuff for you. Ah, uh, yes. Slot machines. Yeah, slot machines. Like, sometimes it's a peep show, but not like, not like a sexual one, even though those came around later. Uh, it's like literal. it was like a literal. they were literally called peep shows, where it would just be like, you see something, you like peep in, and there's a thing happening. <laughs> uh sometimes it was for like to play billiards you put the penny in the the balls release you can now play pool uh slot machines like you said those love tester games uh coin operated shooting games like at a county fair or something you know right with the little duckies mm -hmm. uh so today we're talking about amusement arcades and arcade <gasps> games a topic that i thought would be kind of fun and quick to find out there's a lot of disagreement <laughs> about what those two things even are. Yeah, what what is the definition? What does it mean? Brenda, what do you consider an arcade? I consider an arcade like a thing that you put money in. Like so like as and it, then it does something. So like mm -hmm. I mean, I guess you could say that a laundromat <laughs> <laughs> Okay, uh, alignment chart. Brenda's in chaotic evil for a laundromat is an arcade. <laughs> you know, you like put in the quarter and then it starts to spin and that is its own form of entertainment, you know? Wow, I am I am so glad that you did not disappoint in giving but just the most unhinged, like, you're like, well, if we want to get technical loss and you put a quarter inside a fucking dryer, isn't that an arcade? <laughs> <laughs> Brenda, drop, Brenda dropping off someone's kid, their babysitting. Oh, you want entertainment? Here's a fucking arcade for you. This is a coin laundromat. Have a good afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> Have a good time watching the laundromat show. <laughs> um, all right. What would you, what would you consider an arcade game? An arcade game. Um, I would think like a video game, so like Sega, okay. um, 
but it would it would be like you know there's like the old like tin like tin like the horse racing one like that would be like an arcade game mm-hmm. too right so like you're like, you're, you're, you're counting also old mechanical yeah mechanical ones that's okay. the word i was looking for <laughs> yeah so there are there's so we're way, we're way back we're in the 1900s to, through 1940s um that's where like these penny arcades were around so the idea of like an amusement arcade uh is technically an arcade um today a lot of times they get called video arcades or simply an arcade um but amusement arcades have been around since the early 1900s uh as forms of entertainment you put in the coin and you can do stuff uh a lot of times there's like other you think of like an amusement park maybe like there might be a merry-go-round uh other various forms of entertainment for like children through teens and adults uh with the Mm -hmm. whole idea of like you pay money you do a thing um between the around the 1960s and late 1950s we start switching from those mechanical arcade games that i talked about like the love testers and the fortune telling machines and all of those things if you've seen an episode of scooby-doo um to what is called electrical mechanical machines uh Mm -hmm. this is where things start to look more like a game that we might recognize um and so throughout that time is where you start seeing like sega's putting stuff out uh Sega releases games like Periscope, which is a a light gun game, an electrical mechanical light gun game. So you like you get the uh I think that one is the one where you are a it's like a sub a submarine. Uh yes. Sega has another one called like Missile, where you like put the coin in, you like hit a button, there's like a missile that goes up on a screen, and you can like move it with like this mechanical thing to like hit the target. Um Sega had another one that was like a helicopter. And these machines are, like, really cool. I found some YouTube videos. Like, this is, like, I, it is hard to find stuff that isn't, like, YouTube collectors showing it to other collectors. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one that was, like, a helicopter where the helicopter, it was, like, this huge machine encased. And there's a heli- like, a physical toy helicopter you could control with two joysticks outside. Uh, and you could, like, lift it up. And it, would go- and it has to land on certain landing pads. And there's a magnet on the helicopter and the pad that tells the light to turn off that gives you 10 points. Uh, Interesting. This is where you start getting tickets. Like, you would get a ticket with your score that came out of the machine. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sega releases another game called Rifleman, which was a nickel to play. Not originally sold in the U.S. Uh, the only video I could find was one guy who had one that he uh, ter- switched, converted to, like, being able to take, like, U.S. like circuitry. Uh, like, mm-hmm. uh, electricity. You know, <laughs> voltage is different. <laughs> um, voltage in Japan is different, and there's two types of voltage in Japan: a different type for the north and a different type for the south. So if you go to to Tokyo and you have your power converters, that shit won't work in Osaka. <laughs> and today, this is your your lesson about the volt different voltages of Japan. It'll Thank you. Uh, so, so it'll work, but you need to be very careful. As someone on my <laughs> trip found out that when I went to mm-hmm. Japan in school. Uh, it will, it will alert you that it is being charged too- properly and it will start smoking. Um, <laughs> it is too much. <laughs> Help! <laughs> uh, Rifleman, so Rifleman was neat because it was like, you looked through a scope and then you saw a little target thing inside the scope that made it look like you were really far away. And then you shoot it, you got like 10 shots, you get a ticket, it has your score. Sega also Ooh. released a very... Yeah, this one is going to have a very familiar name to you, Brenda, in the late 1960s. Oh. oh. Sega yes. released a game called Duck Hunt. <gasps> oh, but wait. <laughs> <laughs> Guess what? Wait a second. Yes. That's all I can find. 
I can it's, give you the, would you like the dimensions for Duck Hunt? I got that. It's a 69 I'm, inch height, 28 oh. width, 38 inches deep. That's, <laughs> that's it. People are just like, yeah, Sega made a Duck Hunt game. I'm like, wait. What does it look like? Like, <laughs> it's, it's a cabinet. Um, I can send alert you a photo. Alert the Lost Media Wiki. <laughs> alert. Um, <laughs> it's, it, it had a, I couldn't find any video of it. Like, no one seems to have a cabinet anymore. No one seems to really know how this happened. And then they also, like, Nintendo released a duck cutting game. It's briefly mentioned in, like, Nintendo's, in all, all the wikis. Like, you can click on it. And it pretty much mm-hmm. takes you to the information I just said. Uh, this is what it looked like. If that works, that worked. Uh, I was unable to find a video of it being played. I, I understand the gist of it. It was a, it was made by Sega, 1968, early mechanical mm-hmm. game. It, had a, it was like a light gun game. You got 10 shots to hit animated ducks that went across the screen. And when it ended, you got a high score printed on the card. Per, like, you got a score printed out. This is the most generic. <laughs> There's just, like, a rifle yep. mounted to the front of it. Yep. It's a lot like their game Periscope that I talked about earlier, mm-hmm. uh, which has, like, a lot more information about it uh periscope was their first like big success and mm-hmm. we're, and it was it helped revive the novelty game business and amusement arcades because it was kind of dying off at the time ah uh that that's they made a duck hunt game and it was the it's that was i got to that and i was like wait what <laughs> wait but nintendo made one wait and then you try to like search for like duck hunt yeah, game. it's like Nintendo. And of course you only yeah, you only get Nintendo's version that released with the original NES and used the light gun. Pew pew. Yep. <laughs> and I was like, Duck Hunt game Sega, and you get they're like, Yeah, yes and you mean. And they're like, Yeah. They're like, No, just yeah. <laughs> we know it exists, but that's it. All we know is that it was here and now it is not here. Exactly. That is exactly it. Um <laughs> So we're towards the end of the sixties. And we start, you start to see like racing arcade electrical mechanical games. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a company called Cos- Costco, not Costco, Casco. And they released Casco. a game, they released a game called Indy 500, uh, <laughs> which is where I sent you, uh, that from. So racing games is what will, it's going to race us to the finish line here. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they had made Indy 500 and they made a game called Speedway. Uh, the speed, those games did fairly okay in Japan, uh, where this is, this company's from. They, it sold about 200 units, uh, 200 cabinets, 2000 cabinets. Wow. Um, but then this other company called Chicago Coin, which licensed games to like bring here, uh, licensed, licensed Speedway and Indy, licensed Indy 500 to release it as just Speedway here in the North America. Mm-hmm. This sold 10,000 units. Oh, good lord. And without this game, we never get arcades. What we wow. consider arcades today. Cause there's one, this game was like the most popular game in any amusement arcade. Like everyone wanted to play Speedway. Uh, yeah. so to go, oh, Speedway was, uh, I have a picture of the cabinet somewhere. Um, I couldn't find any video of it, but it was electric mechanical game. Uh, it cost a nickel and it was a racing game. Uh, where you had a uh motorcycle. Uh no, car. Wow. They have the motorcycle game called motorcycle. Uh 
when it first came out, it was a nickel. It Speedway was the first one they also switched to a quarter because it was so it was so like popular as a way to like cut down so many people being on the Speedway cabinet. Uh, yeah, it's like my, they can bump up the price because so many people want to play it. <laughs> Supply and demand and all that. All that jazz. <laughs> all that jazz. Jazz you learned in um, economics. <laughs> uh, here it is. I'll send it to you. Uh, you got a high score on it as well that showed at the top. It also shows like your fuel, which is pretty oh. interesting. Um, but as this is as this is taking off, you have like there's like a steering wheel in the front. Uh, and you saw sort of like a tap down of like you driving um, on the screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one of the people that saw this taking off, let me go back to my notes. Uh, I sent that to you. Uh, wow. At their there's at their amusement arcade was none other than Nolan Bushnell, <gasps> Mr. Cheese himself. <laughs> <laughs> who is Nolan Bushnell, Brenda? Do you no, know Nolan. Is? Nolan Bushnell, Bushnell is Bushnell is the founder of Atari and also the founder of Chuggy e. Cheese. We cannot escape the pizza rat. rat. They joked about it. They joked about it on Irie Comics. They're like, "Haha, Chuck E. <laughs> Cheese," and I'm like, "No, you don't understand." This just keeps happening. It just keeps ha- like I was researching this, and it was I was like, you know, I knew Nolan would come up, right? I was like, that's inevitable. Yeah. I didn't think it would be like if Nolan Bushnell wasn't happening to work in the amusement arcade in nineteen in like nineteen seventy and see the way Speedway was performing, we wouldn't have arcades. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, so he's just like is intrinsically linked to the existence of arcades. He just like stumbles upon things and is like, Wow, that thing's pretty neat. Yeah, exactly. I think I think I'll innovate upon it. Like <laughs> he goes to a pizza place and he's just like, Wow. What if there was a mouse here? Exactly. Or, sorry, a rat. Yeah, a rat. Every <laughs> you need to understand. Nolan Bushnell's like, what if it was a rat? It's not the modern Chucky. He's like, well, it's got to be a mouse, and he's like, it's a rat. I want a rat. <laughs> I mean, if he had his way, it would go back to being ki- a coyote because that was his That's first true. thing. He was like, he tried to buy the coyote suit, right? And, and the it rat, was a rat suit, suit showed up. But like, why a coyote? <laughs> what? What? Pizza coyote. You, you know what? what? I appreciate that they weren't like. What if we just reordered a new suit? He's like, we got a rat suit. It's a rat. It's a rat. It's a rat like, in this restaurant. He could have gone, no, this isn't the right suit. We'll just push it back. And instead, for some reason, they said, let's double down. This is fate. Charles Entertainment Cheese walked so Remy the rat could run. <laughs> Without Charles Entertainment Cheese, Remy would never get to the position where he is today as the head chef of his own Paris kitchen. <laughs> you gotta respect the trailblazers, you know, they fought for you. <laughs> you say he just makes pizza? Okay, that's all he that's the only job he could get back then, Remy. Okay? Yeah. He was doing his that's all that's all people let him do. They would only let him make pizza. He stumbled into a failing pizza restaurant and walked up to Pasquale P. Pie Plate and said, hey, I'm going to help you revitalize this restaurant. And Pasquale P. Pie Plate, who is completely destitute and just laden with bills, said, sure, why not? I'll let a rat run my restaurant. I have nothing to lose. Um. So way before... Nolan does any of that shit. Our good pal Nolan, way before Atari. He's just a college kid working at an amusement arcade. He used to work at Lagoon Amusement Park. 
Um, Lagoon Amusement Park is in Farmington, Utah. Utah. Uh, it opened in 1886, and it's just a huge amusement park. It has carousels and gardens, and there's an amusement arcade section. Um, and he just saw, like, in the amusement arcade section, like, all these kids love this game called Speedway. Um, Ooh. And all these kids are, like, really into this idea of, like, competing. Like, they're because you can only, only one place could play a game at a time. Yeah. Uh, so you play, and you get your score, and, like, then the next kid plays and tries to beat your score, and... You fight over it. Uh, and he had the original, did you, the, he has this idea of like, you know, making games more accessible and making them more fun. Cause at this time we still only have electrical mechanical games. Even though there are video games being made, they just aren't in, in arcades. Cause like you need a literal computer. Mm-hmm. Um, so once he gets done with school, he first thinks I'll go work for Disney. That doesn't happen because (laughs) Disney is like, you just got done with school. Who are you? (laughs) Who are you? And also we're five seconds from going completely bankrupt. So please get out of here. (laughs) I can't have you here for the money we're about to launder. Kids, you need to go. (laughs) We're about to release Black Cauldron. Things are going to get pretty bad around here. So please leave. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He ends up working at a company called Ampex, which is just a basic electronics company. Uh... He meets Ted Dabney, probably oh. someone most people haven't actually heard of. <laughs> uh, we're freaks. <laughs> we're freaks. Uh, Ted Dabney is is the co-founder of Atari, technically, uh, and he is the one who largely develops the circuitry for Pong and before that, Computer Space, Ooh. which is an important stepping stone. Uh, these two have a lot of dreams that they both share. So Atari, sorry, <laughs> no, so Atari please. has two dads. <laughs> Atari has two dads, technically, even though one they get a divorce later and it's not pretty. Oh no. <laughs> uh so Ted Dabney and Nolan Bushnell are like, let's let's fucking do this thing. Uh they create a company called Synergy, Synergy I think is how you say it. How do you spell it? Because I feel like if I see it, I know how it's said. S-Y-Z-G-Y. Syzygy. It's oh, it's hard to say. It's like syzygy. Syzygy. I can hear it because I've heard it. Give me a second. I'm going to turn the volume up on my laptop. I'm gonna okay. Syzygy. 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 How do you say it? Say it. <laughs> say it, you freak. <laughs> say it. How to pronounce syzygy? Okay. All right. New Albinist would never say this to anyone before, so this is Syzygy. Syzygy. What a fucking stupid name. I'm so glad they didn't keep it. Uh, (laughs) They form this company. Bushnell shows Dabney. uh, They go to the Stanford AI lab and they they play Space War. Uh, Space War is a space like shooting game that you could play if you had like the Stanford AI laboratory computer. Uh, it was it was like <laughs> at this time games are popular among the nerdiest nerd engineers who have these supercomputers to play them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they had this idea they were going to make a clone of Space War called Computer Space. Um, Dabney built the prototype and Bushnell shopped it around. This is this is this is where some of the ickiness comes from because a lot of people Dabney did a lot of the building and Bushnell's like an idea guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Dabney built this dabney goes on to build the circuitry for pong bushnell is like the face and who everyone remembers to this day 
Yeah, um, that's which is sad because it's always the the face. Like you don't remember like the the ub eye works of Disney, and yeah. you know it's the person who has the idea that gets remembered, not the person who does the work. Right. Exactly. I think it's uh, I think it's unfortunate. Um, yeah. So they they <laughs> they make an agreement with the greatest company name I've ever heard next to Syzygy, which is Nutting Associates. <laughs> Nutting. No. <laughs> I was like, are you sure it's called nutting? Yeah. You... Yeah, it's nutting. <laughs> no. What if it wasn't? Uh What if it was anything but made, that? They made coin they made trivia games and shooting games, coin operated games. Um so they they work together, they make computer space. Computer space is a commercial failure because it is Rip. expensive to make. It it makes over three million dollars, but this is like things are not cheap to make at this time. Yeah. There's not, not a, a mass movie. market for these machines. They take this to uh a like show they take it to like a um trade show in Chicago in Illinois. Mm-hmm. Um I forget which one I should have written it. I was like, I'll remember that. Um I super don't oh wait, I have it pulled up still. <laughs> uh <laughs> we're in nineteen seventy one. They uh take it to do 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 the Music Operators of America show. I apparently wow. October fifteenth, nineteen seventy. Never heard of it in my fucking life. Uh, never would have guessed that. It was a prominent trade show for coin-operated amusement. Sure. Huh. Uh, yeah. Okay. Bushnell and Dabney were taking it to Chicago with nothing to show off the computer space because they're like, you know, we they built four cabinets and they wanted four to show off that, like, you know, they're ready to go. They only had the four cabinets. All four cabinets, the TV fell out of the the machine to the bottom. No. <laughs> How does that even happen? <laughs> How? I feel like the universe is like, you cannot create gamers. I'm telling you, man. I'm telling you it's a mistake. Don't do it. <laughs> don't make gamers. I promise it, you don't want to... <laughs> Listen, just all of Turn you get back. Real, don't just get real into books, please. Turn back gaming was a mistake. <laughs> uh so instead of they had no backups, they only had the four. All four were broken. They had to <laughs> fix them there. Uh so they, <laughs> they they did. They got through the work. Wow. Incredible. Uh, the ingenuity of man. <laughs> and instead and they used the fourth one and they just got it. They like Turn it upside down, and they were like, and this is just show you what it's like on the inside. <laughs> Here's the inner workings. Isn't this clever and incredible and definitely what we plan to do from the beginning? Yeah, can you, I uh, just, I wish I had the audacity of white men. Like, there's no, like, I would, <laughs> if, if that happened to us, like, imagine we go to, like, I like, we get hired to MC some event or something, right? And we, we <laughs> were like, okay, we need, like, a script for this. This is important. And the Google Drive, like, crashes, and we're like, I'm like, well, I'm gonna have a panic attack and go home, so. <laughs> I, like, I can't bullshit this. Oh, I can bullshit anything. <laughs> well, uh, you will carry me. Uh, you'll, uh, Austin, chill out. Just shut up. They don't know. <laughs> they don't know that we don't know what we're doing. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it sold about... uh. They had a they they wanted a production of like fifteen hundred units, which is extremely ambitious. Um, yeah. At the time, even the best selling electromechanical games really sold more than two thousand units. And this is the first like 
true video game meant to be in an amusement arcade. Mm-hmm. Uh, and before this, like, video games in coin-operated machines was, like, very, like, this didn't happen. Uh, so they, they had this goal, 1,500 units, we can totally do this. It did okay, it sold somewhere between 500 and 1,000 is the best estimate I could find. Uh, which is like closer to what you could expect, but for how much this cost and what they told the company they were working with, and it didn't hit the idea, it didn't hit where they wanted. No, not Uh, even close. And they only got 5% of the 3 million because they, they had a partnership with somebody. They made about, um, $150,000 in 1971 money. I did not do inflation for that. I usually do. I didn't feel like it. Uh, (laughs) Which it isn't bad, and they got a payout for their salary because they were working full time at nothing. You know, they they have they have you know like it's not not a bad gig. Bushnell doesn't <laughs> think it's good enough. <laughs> oh, Bushnell, you perfectionist! <laughs> so they leave, they oh leave nothing, and they got to start their own thing. They need it. They need something to be simpler, easier to read instructions because their target audience is going to be drunken bar patrons. Because again, like. <laughs> Video game arcades aren't a thing, so this is just going to be like in places, man. We got ideas, man. <laughs> Need to be able to slam that quarter into that machine and just go, go, go. Um, Bushnell, going back to the roots, he wanted to make a driving game because remember, Speedway was the hottest shit. Speedway's still mm-hmm. like the hottest shit. Mm-hmm. They hire their first. They're like, uh, they hire an employee. Start Atari the seventy-two. Blah blah blah. Uh. Mm-hmm. They hire an engineer named Alan Al- Alcorn. Oh, Al. Uh, <laughs> and he starts working on what will eventually become Pong. Uh, this, this is, is after a game they, changer. They, they tested out Magna. They, they saw the Magnavox. All this is going on. Uh, he starts working on Pong. They tell him they're working on something for General Electric. This is a lie. Oh, uh, good lord. So yeah, they, Pong was never meant to see the light of day. I don't. Absolutely I couldn't figure wild. out what the goal was for what they were working on with Pong, or why they told me it was for General Electric, or what was going on. Uh, I'm sure someone else has that information. I didn't want to dive too deep into Atari and Pong stuff because this is just like a blip on the whole history of arcade games stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Pong is like a big deal. I'm sure you. Ha- I'm sure people have the answer. I'm sure the answer's out there. I just was like, I can't. I could get lost in Atari forever. Pong is its own its own topic. Yeah. Because, like, without Pong, we don't have, like, modern-day video game consoles at all. Yeah. Like, Pong was really, like, the first video game co- console because they had, like, just Pong consoles that were just, like, intended to be played. You just play Pong on mm-hmm. this thing the size of a VCR. Yep. <laughs> without that, it doesn't go any, any further. Like, the Atari 2600 doesn't come out. The 7200 doesn't come out, even though that one sucked. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's Pong changed the whole the whole face. Uh, mm-hmm. Pong's maybe thrown out. They didn't plan to release Pong ever. Bushnell didn't. That's, they didn't plan. Can you imagine if he was that's like so wild, cute, <laughs> neat? Pong is also just fun. Like it is just a a solid. Like there's not much to it. No. But like you know, when you're in a college class and you're really really bored and you need to do something to like not fall asleep, Pong is a great option to not fall asleep. <laughs> And that is that is a key. You just said a key thing there that gets to the heart <laughs> of arcade. What will become arcade gaming as Pong runs its circuit? It's mm-hmm. simple. 
It's fun. Yep. It's quick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is that is the bread and butter. Pong comes out. People like it a lot. And it's they were like, once again, we totally meant to do this. <laughs> this uh, was intended. <laughs> Dabney, as I mentioned earlier, built up, did all the circuitry work for what become the Pog cabinets, which is, again, huge. That changes everything in terms of arcade gaming. Because now, like, that's the amount of power at the time is, like, unheard of for all of that to be going on on a video, on a screen that you can use a quarter to play for. Uh, a year later, 1973, Bush and Dabney have a falling out. Rip. Uh, the dads are getting divorced. Uh, Dabney felt that, uh, Bushnell, like, pu- like, he-, he was kind of a jerk. <laughs> yes, this is true. Uh, that is, like, the, sh- the short, the short and dry, the cut and dry of it, right? Um, I mm-hmm. don't need to get too much into, again, that's, a- that's a whole other thing. Um, could be a whole other episode. Uh, but Bushnell buys Dabney out of the company. He's no longer part of Atari. We have Pong. We now have multiple contenders for, quote-unquote, the first arcade game. Mm-hmm. Some people call it, some people say computer space, because it was a video game in amusement arcades, and that's, that's like, what we're talking about. Yeah. Some people say it was, uh, Indy 500 and Speedway, because that led to the birth of Nolan Bushnell, big, who some people consider the father of arcade games. Even though really mm-hmm. it has two dads. He, he didn't do much. <laughs> Maybe three dads. Um, <laughs> oh, wow. That's real progressive. <laughs> <laughs> um, some people point to Pong because it was like the one that really exploded the market. Mm-hmm. And some people point to our next part of the, the show, which is Space Invaders and the Golden Age of the industry. Oh, Space Invaders. Uh, Space Invaders is seen like... The golden age of arcade games is, like, so hot and fast. Like, so many mm-hmm. things on this show. People are like, it was such a time. And it's real. it's, like, maybe, like, five to six years, maybe. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people agree it was around the late 70s. Some people say Space Invaders started it. Some people say Space War started it. Some people say Asteroid started it. It's a space game. Yeah. One, one of, of the, One of those space games gave us the golden age of arcade video games. And this is a rapid explosion in the market and a rapid change in, like, American media and how, like, we are enjoying ourselves. Uh, the 80s are right around the corner, which is where consumerism is just, like, it's just, it's just like, the bee's knees is like, man, let's fucking buy shit. Let's hang out at malls. Let's go to yeah. these cool pizza parlors this guy Nolan Bushnell started. <laughs> There's a rat there, and I don't know why. <laughs> It sings Just sometimes. Him. <laughs> Just ignore him and don't make eye contact with the rat. Because if you do, you, it'll suck your soul in. But other than that, pizza's great. 10 out of 10. <laughs> Can you imagine being there when, like, Chuck E. Cheese starts? And someone's like, you want to go hang out at the Chuck E. Cheese? And you're like, that place with the singing robot rat? <laughs> no, thank you. Horrifying. <laughs> Not in my Christian Minecraft server. <laughs> Like, you've never seen an animatronic outside of, like, a theme park before, and you're like, this is just in my own backyard. The threat grows ever nearer. (laughs) (laughs) Like, that had to be unsettling, right? Right? And have you seen the original animatronics? They're awful. Horrible. Terrifying. Yeah, really. Um, But we're seeing a lot of explosion right now in the market, and in, in video games, in arcades, at the peak of 
at the peak of video game arcades, which is like some distinction some people make because some people say amusement because like amusement arcades still exist. That's what a lot of amusement parks technically are. Mm-hmm. Um, that are like carousels and like games for kids. Like those, for you go to like that's an amusement arcade. That's still a technical name. So some people say video game arcade to make a distinction. Um, yeah. At the peak around uh, 1982, there are more than 13,000 video game arcades across the United States. Wow. Uh, which had doubled from like 1980. And so in that in a short time span, I'm just like, again, conceptualizing going from what double. So it would have been like 7,000, 6,500. 6, mm-hmm. Like that's bonkers. <laughs> that I cannot express to people how much shit we fucking just stuff in places here. And yeah. it's not shocking looking back at the history that things fail because you're like, that's too much, probably. <laughs> it's an oversaturation of the market, which is something that Americans are really good at We're doing. We're really fucking good at like, man, really- I love special combo covers. You do, do you? Well, what do, do I you? got for you? <laughs> How about if they're special every month? Oh, well, then they're not special anymore. What if there are 18 special ones? Uh, oh, that seems like a, a lot. And they're, God, what is the terminology for, like, incentives? Like, they're all one in five. Oh, so. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, how much do they cost? They cost ten times the normal amount because the store has to order 500 issues to get this special cover. <laughs> They cost an arbitrary amount that we assigned to them the night before. <laughs> and it's going to be different every single store you go to because there's no standardization. <laughs> and it's just, it's, 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 we are in like prime time. Like, Brenda, give me an arcade game Pac Man, Pac Man, Centipede, Frogger, Galaga, Qbert, Qbert, Donkey Kong, Tron. Tron. I said Tron again because I like that one. It's <laughs> like, can we get more Tron, please? Burger more- time. <laughs> burger time. Yeah, that's 81. Uh, can I we get love more- burger time. Can we get more Tron over here at the back table, please? I would please? like more Tron. No, not with the Jarrett Leto. The other <laughs> the- No, no, thank. Never mind. No, thank you. I would like it without Jared Leto, please. And if it has Jared Leto, I don't want it at all. <laughs> uh... Just like, uh, what are some? We got Tempest, uh, I said Gallagher, Miss Pac Man, uh, Donkey Kong Jr., so a lot of copies. Polybius! Uh, Polybius isn't real. (laughs) (laughs) Just just say names, probably. There's the Popeye arcade game. That happened. Uh, (laughs) what are other. Wait, Austin, have you heard of Polybius? Do you know about that? I don't. Oh, fuck. Let me write this down. I'm not telling you right now because this is okay. going to be it's it's a long one. Um, oh, but it's it's a creepy pasta. <laughs> <laughs> Urban legend, I would say. Uh, towards the end of the boom, you got star- the Star Wars arcade game, uh, the Mario Brothers arcade game, mm-hmm. um, Dragon Lair. Ah, yes. Which is I still can't wrap my head around that game existing like back oh, then. It's- it's so, like, you walk into an arcade and you see, like, all of these, like, 8-bit games, and then you see, like, fully animated A fucking Dragon's cartoon? Lair. A fucking uh, it, cartoon? I can play a, a cartoon? cartoon? Like, are it's you right kidding here? me? It is like, <laughs> terribly hard. 
Like, they're, they're, get the fuck out of my way. Move. Move. I will punch you. <laughs> this here is just a full Don Bluth movie that I can interact with. <laughs> it's wild. Um, Just like these, again, to this day, household names. Like, to this yeah. day, like, most of those you can say and people, like, if they haven't played it, they can, like, see it in their head. Exactly. Um... Another wild thing that happened during this time period. In 1983, mm-hmm. in Auto- in Autua, Iowa, the mayor, Jerry Parker, declares his city the video game capital of the world. I don't <laughs> know what gives him this authority, but he did it, and no one can stop it. Did they Did they make video games there? No, no he just said it. <laughs> I wish I could just say anything. Yeah, I, I wish I could, I wish be I could like- just say shit. Yeah, it's like, my house is the yarn scraps capital of the world. Yep. Uh, <laughs> he he just, he said that in a mayoral decree in November 30th, 1982, he decided that that was the video game capital of the world. Uh, Incredible. As part of his proclamation, they hosted the first North American Video Olympics in in the, the, the following year. Uh, <laughs> the start of esports. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> uh, they also hosted um, the Twin Galaxies. Intercl- so Twin Galaxies is based out of this city in Iowa, mm-hmm. and they have that. They have the intergalactic scoreboard. People know that they are like Twin Galaxies is the official Guinness checker for video game Guinness World Records entries. Oh, so if you get like the high score, like Twin Galaxies is the company who'll come like check your shit. Um, you may know them from the King of Kong documentary. There, they come up in that. Uh, it's a whole, it's a whole thing. I don't, I the won't. Whole thing. You can watch that and make your own judgment calls on Twin Galaxies, and uh, they are their uh, ethics, but they exist. They, they have the job, and that's that's just how it is. Mm-hmm. Um, they were also the home and the birth of the U.S. National Video Game Team, which both of those things still exist to this day. Wow. Other firsts that happened in the video game capital of the world include the first video game themed parade in January 8th, 1983. Who was, who was in it? Who was in the parade? Uh, the first video game themed parade was, I have it here. Oh, I don't have it here. One second. Their archive, (laughs) uh, does not have it. Oh. Yeah, I, so when I was researching it the other day, and I clicked on it, it was like, air, and I was like, oh, I'll just go through their archive, and I didn't do that until right now, uh, and I was like, I mean, it'll just be there. Um, they hosted the first video game world championship, also in 1983. It was the, it was the same weekend as the parade. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first brainwave study of video game champions was done in this city to see if their brains worked differently. Huh. Their brains do not work differently, if you were curious. <laughs> we discovered they're just like everyone else. Uh, yeah, they they don't, they do not function any differently than any other person who is highly skilled at something, essentially, is what they found, which makes, makes sense. They are skilled Wait, at something. Makes sense. Like, what do you think a video game player is going to be different than someone who's like a sports aficionado? You yeah, use like, the same brain. It's the same brain. Brains aren't wild. Uh, they had the first person score a billion points in a game. Happened 
at in their humble city during a vid- one of the video game championships. It was in the game Nibbler. Nibbler. Uh, <laughs> he he had been. Would you like to know how long he was playing that game for? How long? Forty four hours and forty five minutes. Uh, as of the, as of the, like, archive capture that this was discussed in, he was the only person to have done that. That was in, like, 1989. I'm sure someone else has done a billion points in the game at this point. Um, Mm -hmm. but that same person, Tim, Tim McVie, McVie? I think it's McVeigh. Tim McVeigh (laughs) was the first video gamer to have a day dedicated to him for, for his feat of scoring a billion points in Nibbler. Wow. His day is uh, January 28th, 1984, was Tim McVee Day. I don't know if that's still recognized in the city or not. Moving on. During this time, displays are a huge deal. Displays add a lot of the effect to video games, if you didn't know that. it's I know that probably <laughs> makes sense to someone who knows more than me about the types of displays, and I'm probably going to sound like I don't know what I'm talking about, but too bad, this is my show. Um... <laughs> You got vector displays and raster displays. Do you know about either of those, Brenda? I know what vectors are because I have to use Adobe Illustrator, usually against my will, for my job. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So vector displays uh, basically blast a bunch of electrons to represent the electrical waveforms they're talking about. (laughs) As it it relates to video games. (laughs) The raster display was like the new type of the way to display stuff. Uh, some uh-huh. stuff, some stuff used, still used vector in this time period. Uh, it was very far and few between. Like the Star Wars games used vector. A lot of Atari stuff used vector because Atari was an older company and that's what they had. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the, not newer companies, but newer to the market companies, uh, were using raster. So like Capcom used raster, Nintendo switched, like, move to using raster uh we'll get to nintendo and their tech in a bit here shockingly it comes up wow um (laughs) raster you used numerical values which more people might think about when you think about like computing um Mm -hmm. so the number tells the pixel what to be and by doing so it paints a line which makes the image magnetically or electrostatically uh by moving the electron beam that is inside the machine on what you see in the image uh essentially it's a more sophisticated way to do it because when you attach numerical values to the computing to tell the pixel what to do you can get shading and stuff like that where vector is like a lot of not that mm-hmm. um but as all things a fall must happen i don't know if you've listened to this show we are pretty good about picking things that have a terrible dramatic fall <laughs> and a long and slow death a long slow death and a terrible end <laughs> What is the fall of the arcade, Austin? Um, so at its peak, the arcade industry is an eight billion dollar industry. Incredible, unfathomable. From <laughs> from nineteen eighty three, from the like start of nineteen eighty three, which is like around this peak. By the end, that drops to five billion dollars. Good lord! <laughs> it's just like that's. An un that's an unfathomable amount of money to exist, and that's an unfathomable amount of money to lose. Yeah. Uh it's like you said, it's oversaturation. If mm-hmm. the bar, the corner store, the supermarket, and the Pizza Hut all have Pac-Man, you don't really fucking care if your parents take you to an arcade or not. You just want to play yeah. Pac-Man. If your yeah. mom's like, you can play Pac-Man, 
while she's grocery shopping, your dad's like, I'm going to go to the corner store. Do you want to come with me? You can play Pac-Man while I, like, buy some Bud Light and some chips. Like, you don't care. You're like, I just want to play Pac-Man. Mm-hmm. Um, so arcades are seeing less people coming in because you could go to the arcade or you could go to the mall. The mall might have an arcade, but also Galaga is just, like, outside the store your parents want to go shopping. You're just like, why? It doesn't matter to you. Yeah, it's, like, wherever it is. And, like, Pac-Man had, like, those Midway did, like, those flat tops mm-hmm. systems that, like, weren't really in arcades themselves. They were, like, at random restaurants. Exactly. And so, like, the market was, like, starting to cater towards not arcades because they didn't care yeah, they don't. how the arcades were doing. They just want people to to buy their cabinet. And if they've had mm-hmm. the most exciting game, like, hey, listen, you put a Pac-Man <laughs> machine inside this fucking... Wallabies are us, like you'll be set, kid. <laughs> exactly. Um the market tries to like leap back to its feet as you get beat em up games, you get double dragon, um, and those types of beat em up side scroller games like become popular. Uh kids start coming back into arcades. Uh but arcades don't help with this fall because they don't mm-hmm. care about quality, they care about quantity. <laughs> oh my god. So they're just buying as many machines as they can, as many games, because they want to seem full, right? You want a lot of stuff. Yeah. But if half the machines are broken, or you're like, I can't get Double Dragon from the manufacturer, but this third-party manufacturer says they have a cabinet, and it's like a piece of shit. Like, now you just have a broken cabinet no one can play. Oof. Um, And also, some of the games just aren't fun. Um, Yeah. And some of the games are too hard. As just quarter eaters. Just quarter and as we call them, that's my next note, or as some people know them, <laughs> quarter eaters. <laughs> because it's geared towards you being highly skilled, but it's hard to get highly skilled at something that you get a quarter, three lives, and roughly fifteen minutes to figure out how this game works. Mm-hmm. Um games are getting more expensive and more toward geared towards like being a skilled player. So like some games now are like 50 cents, 75 cents. I think this Star Wars game when I was growing up was a dollar. Yeah. Uh, it's just not like, it's hard to convince your parents to give you like $4 and you're back in 15 minutes for four more dollars. That like adds up really quick. It's different than just like handing you like a handful of quarters and be like, yeah. go nuts. Yeah. It's, it's just not that anymore. Um, mm-hmm. The slow dramatic death, as it always is, continues through the 90s. Uh, there's a bump again. Street Fighter 2 comes out, Mortal Kombat comes out, people are coming mm-hmm. back into arcades, there's a bit of a resurgence. But 1994 is like killing blow. They never they never recover. Large arcade chains are declaring bankruptcy, selling off their buildings. Even places like Chuck E. Cheese are selling rat are selling off cabinets that aren't seeing kids can play them because of a few things happening. Brenda, what was going on in the early to mid-90s? Early to mid-90s? In in gaming? Yeah, home consoles are becoming more accessible and just as good as arcade machines. Exactly. If not better. And do you know, what what pushed that? The push was, I would say, when Nintendo came into the market. Yeah. Yeah, Nintendo came into the market, Mm -hmm. and Sega came into the market, Mm -hmm. and their competition with each other drove them to get better and better in the home market, and they started to see more returns from the home market than from the arcade market, especially in the United States, where arcades had the stigma of being dirty and dens of sin and (laughs) 
ill repute. <laughs> exactly. I mean, there are some like uh, propaganda posters from like moral moral right groups, you know, about like arcades where kids have like drug, sex, and rock and roll. Uh, yeah, and that's one reason Chuck E. Cheese exists is because this will not have drug, sex, rock and roll. <laughs> exactly. It was like good, clean fun. Um, It'll have rat and roll instead. <laughs> Give him the old rat and roll, you she. Uh, you have the expensive price. You have the high skill cap. I mean, like, Street Fighter 2 Mortal Kombat are not, like, simple games. No, they're hard. And, like, there's no tutorial, really. No. You just, you just get in there you, and try not walk, to die. You walk in and M. Bison beats the shit out of you. And you're like, what just, just happened? He just steps on you. just curb stomps you. You're dead. <laughs> You get distracted staring at Chun Li's thighs, and you're dead. It's it happens to the best of us. Uh, <laughs> the pro tip: you don't have to pay money to see Chun Li will come up on the the screen eventually for the little animation. <laughs> you can just wait, and she'll arrive. She'll show up. <laughs> just wait. Just be patient. Um, <laughs> it's getting expensive. It's getting hard. And those are like these games like are pushing you to like keep playing because they show they like. Mortal Kombat starts and it shows you the boss at the top and it shows you all the way down at the bottom. It's like, you want to get to the boss, don't you? Um, it's like, you can't. You physically you, can't. You're not going to do it. You got to play at home. It's not yeah. going to happen. At home, you have infinite tries and infinite lives and you can just play again and again and again. So it's a better investment for mm-hmm. the parents because they don't have to keep like shelling out money to get their kids to go to the arcade and they can also monitor them in their exactly. own home. And that's like, again, these game companies don't like... They don't care where they get your money, they just want the money. They don't mm-hmm. care if arcades are failing, and the technological arm race happened between Nintendo and Sega during the console wars, pushing them to get, like, fat, like, they are advancing faster than, uh, like, arcades can keep up. Yeah. That you can't, you, you can't beat, like, sitting in the, you can't wake up and play Sonic at an arcade, you gotta wait no. until your parents want to take you, so you're like, I, I, I wanna play Sonic here. Um, not the Sonic present on arcade, but. That's like the, that's like that's like the idea, right? Like you can't wake up and play Street Fighter Two at an arcade, even yeah. though like Street Fighter Two is out for a year before it come gets ported to console. But like we both know, when I got ported to console, that exploded the console market because everyone's like, I can play Street Fighter Two endlessly, perfect, because that game's fucking hard. Yeah, you can play it at home with very minimal graphical downgrades. Why wouldn't you? Exactly. Um. A lot of manufacturers move out of the arcade business. They're not selling machines. They're not keeping cabinets in stock because it's there's no money. They're losing money. Mm-hmm. I feel um, like that's what Nintendo did because, like, really, Nintendo isn't very ingrained in the arcade market no. anymore. Not like Sega. Sega still has a lot of dogs in that mm-hmm. dog park. And so does Capcom. Mm-hmm. Um, they're still pretty heavily. I mean, Atari's long gone at this point. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like when the big when the Video game market mo- is moving out of arcades rapidly. There's not a way to save them. Uh, mm-hmm. They somebody make like I the last big release that like would catch people's eye is like Street Fighter Two having a cabinet. Um, mm-hmm. these games still get cabinets. Like they they technically you can you can get a Street Fighter Five cabinet, but why would you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, for people who like that feel, they sell like the the arcade like pad. Like some people like. I know serious players uh, in the, like, tournament community, like, they get the pad. That's, like, the real way to play, quote-unquote. Yeah, and it's the same exact thing as the arcade. Because nowadays, like, the version that you would play in the arcade is literally just the same as the console one. Just, like, 
inset into an arcade machine. Exactly. So there's there's absolutely no reason not just to buy a pad and play it at home. Exactly. Definitely. Um, in nineteen ninety six, the cabinet sales are down to ninety thousand compared to at their peak at the start of the nineteen nineties at one hundred fifty thousand, and that's for all cabinets, not just one game, which is very low. I have some cabinet numbers that I at the back end here, um, and it's just it's that this is like the market is dying off. It drops down to about four thousand arcades by the end of the nineties. Um. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't find any numbers for the 2000s, but it's like under it's like under 4,000. Uh, there's barcades now, as people call them, like your Dave and Buster's and your other kind of like bar arcade feels or your uh, um, oh, what's the one here? Round one. Round ones. Um, that these those the arcade community is not agreed on if those are arcades or not. Yeah, I feel like a round one is an arcade. Mm hmm. I mean, it's got bowling, but it's a chain from Japan, mm-hmm. so it's it it's an arcade, I think, and I think a Dave and Buster's is an arcade too, because mm-hmm. you can get prizes and they have like all the machines. Mm-hmm. You know, you just also maybe watch sports there. <laughs> and I I personally agree. Um, I think especially when you get to like when I said doing a helping, you get to the heart of like amusement arcade. Like it, this industry came out of like. It was a place to be, like, entertained. It wasn't just video mm-hmm. games. Are yeah. they video game arcades? I mean, no, they have bowling or, like, the like the shooting game or whatever. Like, there's other stuff, but they're definitely arcades. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, there is a big arcade in the UK I found that has, like, 5,000 arcade cabinets. It's, it's sort of, like, become, like, a big, like, collecting hub. It, like, finds cabinets and restores them as, like, it, like it's like a dragon sitting on all of its cabinets. Uh, oh but you, wow! But you can go play it. Uh, but it feels similar to uh, oh god, the guy who ran Diamond, who had like the largest collection of comic book shit, but just like in his house. Oh yeah, I don't know his name, but I, don't I know, know what his, you mean. But it felt it feels like that kind of thing. But it's like a yeah. company. Uh, would you like to know, Brenda, some yeah. of the highest grossing arcade games? Can I make a quick guess and then sure. you can tell me who do okay, you think? So space- who do you think? Who do you think sold the most units? Um. I would say Space Invaders. You would be correct. Space Invaders sold yeah. 750,000 <laughs> cabinets from 1977 to 1979. Wow. <laughs> no, no one, no one, the next is Pac-Man, which is in the same time span sold 400,000. No one touches Space Invaders. Not a <laughs> single fucking person. Yeah, I would say, like, the top ones would be Space Invaders, Pac-Man, Donkey Kong. Asteroids, those are some of, like, your your big ends. Uh, Tekken 2, surprisingly, is up there in the top ten uh, the, towards the end oh. of the 90s. Um, yeah. But it's interesting, like, the in terms of, like, estimated revenue gross, uh, the highest is Pac-Man. It made $68 billion versus Space Invaders $15 billion, but you, I think about, like, how much they were selling it for, too. Yeah, that, which yeah. I I couldn't find that data. I could just find like I found like they're in U.S. dollars at the time, and then I did inflation for them. And I'm like, yeah, but I want to see like how much because if like Pac-Man sold for like forty dollars more, or whatever, than Space Invaders because it was almost ten years later. Then that attributes. Uh, so that's why I look at the units sold because that's just wild. Yeah, that is. Abs- I'm like, how cheap was Space Invaders? Because it sold. 350,000 units more and only was under a billion dollars less than Pac-Man. So how yeah, cheap was Space Invaders? It had to it had to just be like a more simplistic 
system or they were able to like make it in such like a high right. amount that they like didn't angel's trying to get out of the basement i can hear angel hi angel <laughs> here keep talking i'm gonna let him up <laughs> um some other ones you mentioned like dragon slayer which is interesting only sold about sixteen thousand units and it's like the year it was around in 1983 when its big boom happened um so i do think it's extremely interesting because that one has such a big uh cultural impact i think because it was so different because it was like a cartoon uh yeah i'd say it, it was expensive because it was like probably um a laser disc system in there yeah it had to be it had, I, I mean it had it, i've it seen just, it popped it, open <laughs> <laughs> it just had to be like it was hard for arcades to like justify it especially like mm-hmm. 1983 is towards the like they're starting to see like they're not making as much so uh <laughs> <laughs> They're getting the, yeah. they're they're doing their quarter one taxes and they're like something seems off here. Wait a second. <laughs> Wait a moment. We're not making any money. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, I mean, I found this to be extremely interesting. Um. I never thought about considering old games as like part of this the legacy of arcades. But I mean, it makes sense that without them we wouldn't get arcades. But it's different to be like, oh, literally the dude who quote-unquote founded atari like worked in one of these places and if he didn't like may have just been like another engineer yeah exactly but uh i don't have any more exciting arcade fa- i don't know when's the have you when's the last time you were got to be in an arcade Brenda? oh i went to round one a month ago or wow. two months ago a month ago yeah That's- my friend just was just like i'm coming out we're going to go to round one. I was like, thank God. I need I like to how get out sentence, of this house. I like how it sounds like I'm coming out and I'm going to celebrate <laughs> at round one. <laughs> so like they drove like across the state, picked me up and we went to round one. And I got to play DDR because like I am an absolute DDR fiend. Really? <laughs> yeah. You didn't know that? No. Oh my God. I fucking love DDR. And like. My stamina, like, isn't up right now, so I can't do it super well. But, like, when I'm actually in shape, I can, like, go to, like, fucking town on DDR. Um, No, I love it. I I did a whole YouTube video about it. I love it so much. Yeah, I never knew. I've not been to an arcade that recently. It was years ago. Um, (laughs) I went to either Round 1 or an arcade up or something down in Illinois. I don't know which one they have down there. Uh... But I went to I went to one of those and it was it was a lot of fun. I was I had never been to one. I I want to go to the one here if I can find the time. I'll swerve by and we'll go to go to round one and I'll see this. Yeah, it's in this giant footloose, mall. I'll see this footloose Brenda in action. I know the mall is in. <laughs> I've been in that mall forever. Yeah, it's like I go there, I go to the box lunch there because it's bigger than the one in Flint. Oh, nice. Um, and there's also a second in Charles in the parking lot, which is a great place to get um, used books. And they also carry the weird manga. So. <laughs> I found a case closed DVD there. It was great. Sick. Love that shit. Um, <laughs> yeah, my dad used to bowl and I played like the Star Wars game there and I'd play the Mortal Kombat game and the Street Fighter game there and get my ass kicked in all those games and then I'd go ask for money and I'd go do it again and then I'd be done and that's only for <laughs> like 30 minutes of entertainment. So Yeah, it just doesn't like, you just, it takes a lot of money in order to like make it worth your time. Yeah. Um, and Dave and Buster's like has like, oh, you can play games for like as many games as you want for this price for an hour, which you know is pretty nice. I know Chuck E. Cheese has that now. Yeah, which is pretty pretty nice. Uh, but Uh, yeah, I think Chuck E. Cheese is definitely drawn back from the arcades. Yeah. 
Um, and then they, for a while, they were implementing more like play structures and play areas. And I think they're kind of leaning more back into the arcades again. Mm-hmm. It's a cycle. Um, well, now they have like dad, a, they have like an Oculus. Yeah, yeah that's wild. <laughs> My dad owned an arcade in the 80s. What hasn't your dad done? <laughs> He's done everything. He's You'll be like, oh, who- yeah, my dad, oh, you know, used to own all malls in, in the state. And I'm like, what? And you're like, yeah, you know, it was a different time. It was just really hard to draw in money. And like the, the arcade machines are constantly breaking down. Exactly. Like, they're barely held together. It just was not efficient. And it wasn't like. You know, an arcade mm-hmm. in Holly, Michigan wasn't going to really do very well to begin with. <laughs> well, it's also, Holly's in the middle of fucking nowhere. It really is. It's not a great spot, Brenda's dad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting when you see them popped open because it's always like like what looks like there's like putty and tape and like a pair of mm-hmm. pliers holding a wire together. And like it's not. These machines are extremely sophisticated and extremely delicate, mm-hmm. but they're getting played by kids teens and adults you know like eight to 12 hours a day depending on when you open your doors yeah like constant repetitive motions people shaking the sticks all around like jamming the like hard but like if you're playing the Mm -hmm. street fighter like people like slam slam that punch button yeah they're like bam 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 and it's like they take they have to take a lot of abuse and they're just not really built no to take that abuse which is interesting because like they're they're built to get played on but like you don't I don't think people can, it's not, it's hard to consider that, right? I mean, and even today, like modern, like modern controllers often get broken and like joysticks and stuff because mm-hmm. like they take so much abuse depending on what your, your play style. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. I think it's my favorite part of Record Ralph is like when they, when they break the machine and everyone just kind of accepting because they just break all the fucking time. All the time. Uh, it's like pretty normal. <laughs> I witnessed uh, at the pinball bar here, which is a whole other thing, but like pinballs, like, a whole, like um, yeah. I witnessed a pin, one of the like flippers breaking and just mm. the, the like absolute panic on the person's face who is like trying to get a high score. Oof. People uh, get really serious in that pinball bar. Yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> people are so intense. They're like, like face like five mil- millimeters away from like the glass just like staring down and like god they get so intense and if you get like too close to them they're just like excuse me yeah excuse me give me space to play jurassic park pinball oh god and they get in their stance <laughs> oh yeah they like splay their legs out to the sides <laughs> and, and you're like how this can't be helping you i don't believe you uh- yeah it's like <laughs> i think i'm gonna get the same amount of a score as you by keeping my posture looking good and making my physical therapist proud of me. <laughs> but as it's, it's people do, I've seen it on Street Fighter Academy too, where people, like, they have their stance and the way they hold their hand, and I'm like, I promise you, you're going to get carpal tunnel like that. Please put your hand down. You're okay. Oh, I I hold, I'm not good at Street Fighter, but I hold the joystick in, like, the most ungodly way. Like, I just kind of <laughs> balance my hand on the top of it. <laughs> I do this for Pac-Man, too. Like, I just balance my hand, like, on the ball. Oh, you're a and roller. I, my, you roll it. Yeah, my hand is, like, like all my fingers splayed out, like, a high five, but, like, flat on the thing. You're, and yeah, I, just, I know like, exactly how you hold it. You absolute yeah. monster. And I just kind of, like, you know, bounce it around in the palm of my hand to move. You it really unsettles people, and it gives yeah. me an edge. <laughs> <laughs> well... That's that's arcades. Uh, yeah, a little bit about arcade games. Arcade games are like a whole other thing because there's like a whole history of like technology there. But um, thanks for thanks, thanks for thanks, thanks for gaming. Good, 
Good episodes. Good job, gamers. And I mean specifically G A Y M E R S. Gamers. <laughs> Game over. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of Secret Histories of Nerd Mysteries. Our music was provided by Esperanza Garay Negron, and you can find their music on Bandcamp at knifenun.bandcamp.com. Our introduction was voiced by Cafe 3G. You can find him under that handle on Twitter and Instagram. This podcast is a part of the Nacelle Cast Podcast Network. You can find us at Nerd Mysteries on Twitter. The show is edited and produced every week by the amazing host Brenda. And as a reminder, please, please, please... If you're listening to Apple Podcasts, throw us a five-star review. Helps to show it a lot. Tell a friend about the show. And until next time, historians, see ya.